Hello and welcome to the Long Shot Podcast. I'm your host, Davis Reed, and I'm here by myself because my co-host abandoned me, which is very selfish of him, but he's trying to win a championship, and apparently that's more important than a podcast. If you're surprised to hear my voice, it's because we lied to you. It wasn't intentional. We said we were going Zero Dark 55, but honestly, that's really just for number 55. I have no excuse. This is my day job. So if I'm not podcasting with you guys, I'm not really doing anything. And as nice as a vacation sounded, the Miami Heat looked pretty good. And so it felt wrong to be quiet and not talk about it. So here's the plan. I'm going to keep the podcast rolling Um, every week. Touch in. I got some people I want to bring on. I got some people I want to talk to. I also just want to talk Heat basketball. We can just do some playoff check-ins. Our guy, Duncan, will come when he can time permitting, but understand that he's locked in on trying to win a championship. So let's be patient on that front. Um, If that makes you disappointed and you're like, dude, I just listened to this podcast because of the NBA player. I actually get that. I I really do. And so sayonara, we'll see you in July, maybe after a championship. If you're like, awesome, great, Davis, I get to hear you talk now for 30 minutes every week. Thank you. That, that means a lot. I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm fired up. I think uh, here's what I want to do today. I want to recap games one and two. I have some thoughts. And then I want to bring on two very special guests, and we'll get to some, some general playoff talk. Uh, let's start with a story. And if you're like already like, okay, dude, what do we – I don't tune in this podcast to get Davis stories. Well, I'm sorry. I want to start with a story because I was supposed to be down in Miami for games one and two. But husband duty called. I was down there last week. We interviewed Moritz Wagner for the second time. And I was like, awesome. I'm going to stay here for another whole week, get a little Miami sunshine, and then go to games one and two of the NBA playoffs. How awesome is that? Well, then I get a text from my wife uh, that she fractured her elbow. And so it felt wrong to stay in Miami. Here's what happened. Uh, If you listen to this podcast a lot, you know about my dog, Yahtzee. Duncan and I argue about whether it's the responsibility of a child. It's not. I don't actually think that it is, but it's a lot of responsibility. And so sometimes it's like, dog, I don't really want to deal with you. You're bringing a lot of energy right now. I can't match it. So go in the backyard, run around, get it out. Here's the issue. We don't have a fenced-in backyard. So what we do is we tie her up on a 50-foot leash to the back door in the backyard. That way she can run around the backyard, but she can't run away because I don't think she loves us that much. I think she would run away, uh, and we're not going to let her do that. So my wife's tying her up to the back door, which we do, um, with her 50-foot leash. Here's the issue, though. As she's tying her up, Yahtzee sees a rabbit, and she's in full rabbit phase right now. She really wants to catch a rabbit, and she's not athletic enough to do it, but she's not going to stop trying, and that's something we instilled in her, to have some heart, to have some grit, to try to overcome the obstacles. And isn't that what we stand for here at the long shot? So honestly, I can't even really be that mad at her. She was set on trying to catch a rabbit. So she takes off around the corner. My wife is standing in the doorway in the backyard, and she has the thought of, oh, if she gets too far, this door's gonna slam on me. Before she even finishes the thought, the dog is too far, the door slams on her, knocks her down, she lands on her elbow on some concrete. Yeah, that doesn't sound very pleasant. She fractures her elbow. It's tragic. I'm in Miami. I'm far away. Um, She's fine. She's tough. In fact, she didn't even really like tell me how bad it was. She was like, God, my elbow just kind of hurts. But then it was like, okay, this is really bad. I think I need to go to the emergency room. And while she's telling me that she's like, what are you doing? Like why? Like my responses were a little slow. Uh, Maybe I don't really know, but it prompted her to ask what what I was doing. The truth is I was at the Justin Bieber concert for the second time in a week. I went in Orlando with Mo and in Miami with Duncan. That's a Monday, Wednesday, back-to-back, you know, two Justin Bieber concerts in 72 hours. I didn't really know how to tell her that. It's like, hey, you're on your way to the emergency room. I'm in Miami at Justin Bieber for the second time. And in that moment, I had a little clarity of like, okay, maybe I should go home and help take care of my wife. So I did. I skipped the first two playoff games so I could be in Michigan and take care of my wife. And that's something that I say with pride because it was the right thing to do. I also think it was the right thing to do, by the way, because games one and two have been awesome. And if I were in Miami, it may have changed the vibes a little bit. My game one was just awesome. 
the Heat just look locked in. I know that this team was like, oh, they're built for the playoffs. In the offseason when PJ came, when Kyle came, it was like, wow, this team is built for a playoff run. There was actually some concern about what they were going to look like in the regular season. Are they too old? You know, PJ's getting up there. Kyle's getting up there. Jimmy's getting up there. There were some concerns about the lack of depth. Actually turned out to be the exact opposite issue. The Heat were awesome this year. Best team in the East largely because of that depth. Guys like Max, Gabe, Caleb, Omer, Dwayne Dedman, our guy. Although our guy doesn't really fit in that category anymore because he got paid. Uh, but we're awesome all year. Got the Heat the one seed. But still in game one, it was like, oh, shit, maybe this team is built for the playoffs. Because they just looked, there was just like a tenacity, a ferociousness. They looked locked in. It was like little stuff, right? Like helping guys up off the floor, bench celebrations, Jimmy yelling his face off. I mean, that stuff matters. Like they just looked intense. And I know there was some talk about like, oh, it was a schedule loss for the Heat or for the Hawks. You know, oh, they had to play three games and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, be better. They're a nine seed. Like, I'm not buying that excuse. You weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. How can you argue about fatigue when you're a nine? Like, yeah, the Heat were the one seed. They got to spend a week chilling, kicking their feet up, going to the Bahamas. That's the benefit of being the best team in the regular season. So I'm not buying that excuse. Also, by the way, these guys play every other day and back-to-back games all season. It's not like this is new. I know it's a playoff intensity, so maybe the games are a little bit tougher. I get that. But I'm not buying the fatigue excuse. Game one, heat blow them out uh, for a variety of reasons. One, that tenacity I was talking about. They just looked, oh, they just looked nasty, like in a good way. Two, it was the Duncan Robinson game. I mean, that guy just exploded eight for nine from three. He just looked confident. He looked locked in. He had that look, you know, like LeBron game six, Boston, like I'm going to rip your heart out. Look, it wasn't that, but it was in that genre. You know, like he just looked confident. He looked like he was throwing it in the ocean. Looked like he was having fun and go back and look at the difficulty of those shots. It's one thing when it's Maxi Kleba hitting like target practice threes in the corner because Gobert can't get two feet outside the lane. And that's not even really a shot at Gobert. It's just like the scheme in Utah, He, whatever. Anyway, that's one thing. It's another when Duncan's just flying around the arc, catching handoffs, getting and ones, throwing shit off balance. He just couldn't miss. And it was awesome. Nine to 10 from the field, eight to nine from three. 27 points. He was amazing. And then the Heat defense. It's well documented. If you're a Heat fan, you've probably heard a lot about this. If you're not a Heat fan, you're probably like, I've heard enough. Uh, but it, it's true. The Bam's just amazing. Imagine you're Trey. I mean, Trey was in prison all of game one. Maybe the worst game of his career. One for 12 from the field, eight points. You can't find a game that's even close to that bad for him because he's a stud until like a year and a half ago. Or you'd have to go back like a year and a half. He's in prison all day because imagine you're like, oh, Kyle Lowry's guarding me. He's a pretty good defender. All right, let's come get a screen. Oh, shit. Now it's Bam. Okay, let's come get a screen. Oh, God, now it's PJ. Okay, let's... Oh, shit, now it's Jimmy. It's like, what do you do? By the way, Max Strews, amazing defensively, too, in that first game. He's been good in, in both games, actually. But Trey's in prison. He's smothered. Pick-and-roll defense was amazing. And again, it was just like intentional stuff from the Heat. They just looked like they were locked in. Caught Atlanta off guard. Maybe there was a little fatigue, whatever. Anyway, game one's a blowout. So then game two, you imagine they're going to bring a better effort Right after the game, they're they're talking about fatigue. After the game, they're talking about you know the Heat are bullies. So it's like okay, they're going to bring it in game two, and they did. Uh, game two was awesome. By the way, Duncan kind of predicted how this series was going to go unintentionally last week before we even knew that the Heat were playing the Hawks. He was like, "You just can't tell in a series how, how things are going to differ in a, in a game." Let's say game one, you hit 18 threes, which they did. You shut down their star guard, which they did. You can't count on doing that the next game in the same way, right? Like you can't rely on hitting a bunch of shots again. You can't rely on giving the guy the same looks because guys are just too good. And especially Trey, it's like these, these guys are going to figure out how to, how to, you know, be effective. And Trey did, he was better. I mean, he had 25, seven and six, I think career high 10 turnovers though. Cause the heat again, like they just, they've, they've first two games, they've won that chess match. They figured out how to slow down Trey. The Hawks almost got saved by Bogdan. He had like a Duncan Robinson-esque fourth quarter where he was just throwing shit up and it was going in. It didn't matter what it was. Um, but game two was the Jimmy Butler game. 
if game one was the Duncan Robinson slash defense on Trey game, game two was the Jimmy game. He was awesome. 45, but it wasn't even really like it was the last five minutes. It's like that's the Heat have had, I think, some issues this year with fourth quarter scoring, and they went through one of those spells from like the nine to six minute mark. They were up 16 with like nine minutes to go. I think it was 94 78. And then in three minutes, Bogdanovich goes berserk, and all of a sudden it's 94 90. Hawks went on a 12 0 run. I think that's right, 94 90. And all of a sudden you're thinking, wait, the Heat aren't. There's no way they lose this game, right? There's no, are they going to lose this game? And then Gabe Vincent, by the way, moment of silence for Gabe Vincent. Maybe moment of silence is the wrong terminology because that makes it feel like a sad thing. Maybe like moment of applause for Gabe Vincent. He was amazing in Gabe too. I don't think the Heat win that game without Gabe Vincent. In the first quarter, he provides this spark off the bench. He's hitting tough shots. Defense on Trey all game was incredible. He's just in his stuff. Had that drive where Trey tried to take him to the basket, and Gabe was just like, give me that. I want that. That ball, that's mine. Just took it from him. He was awesome. And so in this stretch, all of a sudden it's 94-90, and who hits a shot? Gabe Vincent in the corner. Hits a tough, huge corner three. Makes it 97-90. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, we've got a little breathing room. Bogdan comes down, hits another shot. Oh my God, this is the Bogdan game the Heat are going to lose. And then just Jimmy Butler take over. I want to read the play-by-play actually after that shot. So Gabe hits a huge shot, makes it 97-90. Bogdan comes down, hits a, another three, and you're just like, what's going on? Now all of a sudden it's 97-93. And then here's what happens. Kyle gets an and one. Beautiful. And then it goes, Jimmy steal dunk. Jimmy drive dish to bam for a dunk. Jimmy dunk, Jimmy three, Jimmy layup, game over. Jimmy is so good in these physical games. He's seventh in the NBA in drawing fouls, but the only guard ahead of him is Luka. I think he's the best in the NBA at, at getting contact. And Duncan's talked about this a little bit, but he it's different than like a James Harden who just sort of will bait you into hitting him, right? He'll like throw the ball in front of you, and so you sort of get caught with his arm. Jimmy just lunges, like he'll just throw his body at you. He's not afraid at all of the contact. In fact, he thrives on the contact. And he's just, in a game like yesterday, or game two, in a game like game two, where it's physical, it's choppy, it's a little ugly, it's like Jimmy just, I don't know what it is. There's something about he just thrives in those games. And he was awesome. There's also, when he's hitting threes, I think he was four for seven from three. When he's hitting threes, he's a little LeBronish. And I'm not really comparing him to LeBron, although he did have the 45 in a playoff game, which I think only LeBron and D-Wade have done in Heat history. Remember those, like when LeBron, now LeBron's shooting like eight threes a game, by the way. He shot more threes this year per game than Duncan, fun fact. But older LeBron, or younger LeBron, I guess I should say, when he was hitting threes, it was like, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Nobody can stay in front of him. So usually you just let him shoot. But then if he starts hitting threes, it's like, what? I mean, what What do I do? Help. There was a little of that with Jimmy. It was like we knew he could get to the rim when he wanted. He was getting to the line when he wanted. He's hitting those mid-range little turnarounds, which he's so good at. And then when he's hitting threes, you can just imagine as an Atlanta fan being like, okay, I guess this game's over. Like what are what are you supposed to do? There was a little bit of that. He hit that huge three. I was going through the play-by-play. He hits that huge three in the fourth quarter, the like fade away. And then at that point, it's just like, okay, this is the this is the Jimmy Butler game. And look, th- here's the thing about the Heat. I wish our guy played a little bit more in game two. Seven minutes, zero shots after his first game explosion was a little disappointing. I'm not going to hide my bias here. Um, of course, I, I think he could have been out there. It feels like we talk a lot about his gravity and how valuable his gravity is, even if he's not hitting shots feels like gravity would be at an all-time high after you have 27 and go eight for nine. So it feels like, you know, maybe we bring him in, run some sets, use some of that gravity to our advantage. I'm also not going to act like I'm an NBA coach, though, and I'm not going to act like I know more than Spo. But this is the benefit of the Heat, right? It's like they can do it by committee. They have so many guys. I mean, Victor Oladipo had 40 the last game of the season against Orlando, and he hasn't touched the floor in the playoffs. It's like this is... Again, it's the why they were the one seed in the regular season. They got like 12 guys who can win you a game or can really impact winning a game. Um, so game two, it was Caleb. Caleb comes in into the first half, gives some defensive you know, boost. Guy's been awesome all year. 
Uh, Spo likes it. Spo sees something he sees. It works. You know, they win. It's hard to complain when when you win. So the Heat are up 2-0. They're rolling. They look awesome. Uh, and look, I I understand, again, I'm biased here. I really think these guys can do it. I really do. I don't want to overreact. It's two games. The Hawks, by the way, could easily go win two in Atlanta, and all of a sudden it's a series. I don't think that's going to happen. The Heat have looked like the far better team. But my point is, I think the Heat are really good. I think they're really good. And so I think, unfortunately, you might be stuck with just me for a little while because hopefully our guy is continuing his playoff run. Okay, that's enough of me solo. Let's get to our conversation with Haley and Harry. This is the Long Shot Pod NBA Conspiracy Task Force. And we have some serious things to get to the bottom of, including, is it a coincidence that after Devin Booker fist-bumped a mysterious baby, he couldn't play in the second half the other day? And then there's something weird going on with Duncan's shooting percentage and the earlier that a game tips off. So we try to get to the bottom of those things. It's an awesome conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Long Shot Podcast. As always, I am your host, Duncan Robinson. I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how are you doing today? I'm so great, Duncan. That was that was really good. The it's the monotone voice. It's the you threw the middle name in there. Mm-hmm. That was great. Thank you. I, I'm right. trying to channel Duncan. I got my uh, my New Hampshire shirt on. I'm I'm I'm. Uh... I've got big shoes to fill, probably literally and um, <laughs> metaphorically, and I'm I'm doing my best. That was great. All right, Haley, what do you got? Let's get your Duncan intro. I think I'm gonna pass. I just feel like I don't. <laughs> Harry knows this about me. I don't like engaging in competition. I don't have a no. It's not a. Winning. It's not a competition. It's right, a can competition. I just get? It's can I just get a hello and welcome? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that was good that was too. Fucking good. That was good. Okay, thank and you. At least you. Yes. To the long shot pod. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. No, you guys are both. You both crush it. It's very monotone. It's hello and welcome to the long shot podcast. As always, you had it perfect, Harry. As always, I'm your host Duncan Robinson, and as always, I'm here with my good friend and co-host Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how you doing? And I always, I tell him. Dunk, you can just like get right into whatever you want to talk about. You don't always have to ask me how I'm doing. Like I don't, first of all, I don't know how much people care how I'm doing. I'd like to think some people do. Um, But secondly, I don't always have a good answer for that. You know, like I don't want to just every week say, I'm good. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I'm joined by two very special guests. Here was my, uh, here was my hypothesized intro for the two of you. First, it was going to be, you may know her from her time at the ringer. You may know her from the incredible podcast spinsters. You probably don't know she recently spilled a cup of salsa on a rug in an Airbnb that she was staying at. It's Haley O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> I cleaned that up successfully. Thank you very much. And thank you for saying that about the pod. I appreciate it. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> yeah, podcast, Spotify, YouTube, you know. Um, and then Harry, you guys know Harry. If you haven't listened to our award show, what are you doing? You're missing out. But it's his second appearance on the pod. Still feels weird saying that because he's on the call every week. It's Harry Krinsky. I, I did not have two-time long shot podcast guest in my uh, in my 2022, you know, vision board. Ooh. But but no, <laughs> I just it, it was so out of the vision is what I'm trying to say. It was so that was maybe 2025. Is, I was booing is, you saying, oh, I thought you were going to say bingo card. And I was like, that's. Oh, no, no. That can't, you know. too cliche for No, me. yeah, I'm post. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we're very happy that both of you are here. Thank you for both being here. Harry, can I please, we, before we started recording, you teased a Devin Booker baby dap take. Yeah. And we never, we never got to it. So this feels like the perfect opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, have you guys watched Succession, the TV show? Of course. Yes. Uh, season one, banger. Season two, wait, what are we on? Season three is the new one we're on. Season two, banger. Season three, banger, but there was a little bit of feeling that was like, was this show made for Twitter captions? You know, like, Mm. was this show made to just have a screenshot pulled out and then go viral of like Tom Wobbscans going like, you know, 
whatever. I'm the man or whatever shit he said. He probably didn't say that. I was, you know, I'm in the, I'm kind of tangentially in the content business. So I, when I see a, 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 a Devin Booker fist bumping a baby, I, I immediately go like, that's going to go viral, you know, whatever. That's that, there's going to be memes about that, all that stuff. And I was thinking I was trying to come up with my own Spencer's m- related memes for, for that of what, what would look good. And then I was thinking like, this is too perfect. Th- this was like, if they reverse engineered a <coughs> meme template, it would be Devin Booker. Like it literally would be Devin Booker fist bumping a baby after hitting a shot. Like That's, an AI generator for like it, basketball <laughs> memes. Exactly. Yeah. And so my question is, Adam Silver, powerful guy, is mm. it possible that he orchestrated all of this? Like what's a baby sitting courtside for? It's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, people like they get... <laughs> They fall into the courtside people all the time. Totally. There's always like, let's say a season has maybe three minimum like apologies on Twitter where the player is saying, oh my God, someone find this lady. I feel so bad that I fell into her because she mm-hmm. was courtside and I was running full speed. What's a baby doing there? That's bad parenting. And then the guy, you can see it just stretches his baby mm-hmm. into Devin Booker's face. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like just basically saying like, do something with this baby. <laughs> I think he's going for the like kiss on the, f- the presidential kiss on the forehead. Yeah. I'm a would firm. COVID would end, but anyway, what were you I, I am a, I'm a firm believer that the camera crew needs to move back behind the basket. Totally. Cause you're right. Every game, someone goes tumbling into the camera guy, and someone's going to get hurt. Knock on wood. I uh, this is the second time I'm going to jinx something on this podcast. Some someone's going to get hurt. There, people are too close to the court, so I couldn't agree more. My question though is, Harry, are you saying the baby was planted there, or that we're all just living in a simulation? What we're watching isn't even real. It was all AI generated. Are we right. going that far? No. Great question. No, I think it was planted by you know powerful people. I think like I see. It, it's it's and I guess if I have to put a specific person on it, I think it was Adam Silver. Yeah. I think well, it was Elon Musk because let's <laughs> really t- let's zoom out, okay? He's for buying Twitter. He's trying to buy Twitter. He needs Twitter to keep being active. People have said they'll leave Twitter if he buys it. So how do you keep people coming back? You get great memes that you really see first on Twitter. Wow. That will be on Facebook in a month. Mm-hmm. that'll be on instagram <laughs> you know 12 hours after it happens and, uh, instagram's a little bit faster but i think it was elon musk um but there's no reason to say that he didn't partner with adam silver i think that's right. very reasonable i think you guys are both onto something i also don't think we should discount how powerful the baby might be you know what i mean like i think it's it might be disrespectful just to assume that the baby's being planted why maybe the baby chose to be there maybe the baby mm-hmm. has an agenda all right Boss right. baby, yeah, it might be, yeah, it might exactly. be a, a boss baby situation. Yeah, exactly didn't right. what what Will Ferrell movie was it where they used an actual basketball game as part? Was it Will Ferrell? It was oh no, adjacent, I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah, comedy adjacent where they used an actual basketball game and they didn't tell people. So maybe this is actually part of boss. What are they on? Boss baby four. Boss baby four, yeah. Yeah, and they just animate after the fact. That's a lot of boss babies. It's no secret that we all want to look our best this spring. Well, Mack Weldon is the expert when it comes to stylish essentials perfect for the new season. Whether you want to upgrade your sweats collection or need gear that stands up to the changing weather, Mack Weldon has exactly what you're looking for. If that's not convenient enough, let me tell you about Mack Weldon's daily wear system. All the clothes work together for real. So whether you're headed to work, going out for a run, or just hanging on the couch, Getting dressed takes no effort at all. Let me tell you, I have been living in my two Mack Weldon sweatshirts. I got one in blue. I got one in gray. So they go with any outfit I need. I'm a big sweats comfy guy. So the sweatshirt gets it done. I'll be the first to admit, I've sort of become a collector of these. And I think you will too. They're sweatshirts, sweatpants, sweatshorts, really everything you need. They're not just average sweats. To be honest, I'm living in them. I love how insanely soft they are, plus they're nice enough to wear to the store or cruise the neighborhood in. 
For anyone who's looking to step up their daily routine, do not miss these. Check out Mac Weldon for yourself and save 20% on your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash LS and enter promo code LS. Again, that's MacWeldon.com slash LS and enter promo code LS for 20% off. Find your perfect look for this spring. All right. Well, this is another, this is an opportune time to uh, transition to my other conspiracy theory that I, I brought you guys on for a lot of reasons, but really the primary one is if you guys can't tell those of you listening, this is a group that's going to get to the bottom of, (laughs) of some serious questionable things going on in the NBA. And one of which happened after game one, we talked about Duncan's offensive explosion he texted me after the game and he said, Dave, do me a favor. You're a data guy. Dive into the numbers a little bit. I think I'm shooting like 60% from three during day games. And so I crunched some data and numbers don't lie very often. There's a pretty interesting story being told. I need your guys' input on this. So let me just read you some figures. Most NBA games are tipping off 7, 7.30 Eastern during the season Sundays you'll get some day games and in the playoffs you'll get some day games other than that it's it's fairly rare so there aren't a lot of these cases but I think there are enough games where you can start to connect the dots in Duncan's career he's played in 21 games that have tipped off 4 p.m. or earlier in those games he's averaging 12.1 points per game and shooting 46 percent from three that's elite But let's go a little bit earlier, 3 p.m. tips and earlier, 13 games. He's averaging 13 points per game, shooting 51% from three. Wait a minute, I'm not done. Games 2 p.m. or earlier, 11 games played, 15 points per game, 53% from three. How about games 1 p.m. or earlier, which game one was a 1 p.m. tip, seven of them in his career, 19.3 points per game, 56% from three. So guys, the numbers are getting better the earlier you go. And they're good to start with, 4 p.m. or earlier. But you get all the way up to a noon, one o'clock tip-off, you're basically banking for over 50% shooting from three and 20 points a game from our guy. I don't know what it is, but he's a daytime sniper. Do you guys have any theories why this might be? I have some questions first. Please. You know Duncan well is he a morning person you know what he's become one and i think it's a little bit out of necessity in in high school or at exeter where we met the joke was i'm in the car he would always say oh i'm in the car i'm on the way i'm in the car but he would be laying in bed you know (laughs) hitting hitting the snooze alarm so he was late to everything so actually he was the opposite of a morning person but now Maybe it's credit to him. I don't really want to give credit to him. I don't think that he's just shifted into a morning person. I, th- I really think it's just the job. You know, they're doing practice at like a 10 a.m., 11 a.m. You got to be in the gym, you know, two hours early, get your your weightlifting, your physical therapy, your all that. So he's in the gym at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. So he's got to be up early in Adam. But no, Haley, I don't know if by by his biology he is a morning person. Maybe he's become more of one, though. I have a second question. Okay. We know that he takes cold showers. Mm, yes. Is he a morning shower, oh. an evening shower, or the rare both, Midday. or the not so rare, unfortunately, for mm. men, neither? I oh. am. Can I, I talk a little? Sorry. I just want to yeah, throw one more in there because I think this is important uh, of a minority of people but that we need to, like, in my opinion, bully. Um, midday showers. Uh, one of my roommates rips a like 1 p.m. shower. <laughs> what are you Consistently? Doing? Yeah, no, like that's his thing. He like wakes up, makes a cup of coffee, does he's works a normal 9 to 5, but he showers on his lunch break. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad. But people do that. You know, one of my my, my not to air her out, but my my friends uh my other roommate's girlfriend, similar thing. She's a she's a midday shower. So it's not just men. I, I, have you heard of this? I will say this. 
unfortunately, I don't have a great grasp on Duncan's shower schedule, but I I do think that he's skipping the morning shower. I think he's getting to the gym, getting to practice, doing what he needs to do, and then maybe showering afterwards. And I will say, I've sort of built that into my schedule too, Harry. So I I'm not going to take your 1 p.m. shower as a direct attack at me, <laughs> but I have sort of built this schedule in now where I'm getting up. Dog dog starts whining about 7:30, mm-hmm. so I'm up pretty early feed her, go on a walk, go to the gym. Now all of a sudden I'm back. It's like, you know, 11-ish o'clock. Like I'm not showering until my post-gym in the morning. That's normal. I mean, I don't think, I'm going to assume, Harry, that what you're saying is like they're not doing any physical activity that would require showering before their midday. No, no. And they're, they're, they're doing their physical activity later. But the, yeah, so... It's honestly probably even worse because it's probably like they shower at 1 p.m., work out at 5, and then shower again at 7. It's like, well, you're spending... Uh, it's strange. I'm going to give you that. It's strange. I also... Look, hey, whatever whatever right. floats your different boat, strokes, you know? Different folks, right. If you want your so cold you, shower you at 1 p.m. What, you don't know his shower. I feel like I know all of my friends, like if my friends shower in the morning or... <laughs> you know what? Because I you really... know you're getting ready with them. Like you have to... You know what I mean? You guys don't totally no 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 but for the record i wish i knew his shower schedule i wish this was something that i i wish this is something i could share with you i truly do i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here this is a little bit of a hypothesis i have some boots on the ground data just from being with him in miami i think he's probably skipping the morning shower i think he's doing the go through your day get the morning workout in shower afterwards that yeah okay but game day hmm Let's go to game day because I think that's all that matters in this situation. Because what I'm saying is that a cold shower, in addition to making you really fucking cold. Yeah. Is going to wake you up. That's why I don't understand the night showerers who do cold showers. That Mm -hmm. feels like almost like you're looking at your phone for an hour before bed. You are putting freezing water on your body and then you're trying to fall asleep. Yeah, true. I'm, by the way, really bad at that. I'm trying to get better. I've started to charge my phone away from the bed, so I'm not looking at it before I go. Um, Okay, no, you're right, though. I think in order to get to the bottom of this, let's walk through what my interpretation is of his like standard game day routine. Let's assume assume it's a 7 o'clock tip-off, which is pretty standard in the NBA. Eastern time, mind you. I think he's getting up. He's going through his walkthrough with the team at, let's say, 11 a.m., I think he's showering afterwards. Mm-hmm. He's coming home. He's getting lunch. He's getting off his feet. Takes a nap every game day for a 7 o'clock tip. He's taking a nap probably around 2 o'clock, 2.30. He's up at 3, 3.30. It's a short short nap, 30 minutes to an hour. Then he's up, probably gets another little meal in him, and then he's off to the gym around 3.30, 4 o'clock. So he's getting to the gym three and a half-ish hours early, which he did say for the day games is about the same. So say it's a one o'clock tip. He's getting to the gym around 10, I would say, 9.30, 10 o'clock. So that part of his routine is the same. It's really just what's going on from wake up to you know, 9, 10 a.m. I I think that while we figure this out and talk about everything else, you should just text him and maybe he'll text you back. That's well, a good you- call. So... I have one last shower question, and I, I have a theory that goes in a different direction. Shower question. What what type of shower head is he rocking with? Because if he's if he's got, like, a, a you know, weight, like, and I expect, he's an NBA player, like, lives in Miami. I feel like Miami has good shower infrastructure. Um, like, I, I feel like he's rocking with, like, a very cool rain shower head, maybe even a steam situation. If he's ripping that before games, I mean, no wonder he's he's doing numbers. So I guess probably most NBA players have that. No, but they're on the road, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I So I, I just sent him a text. I'm going to mm-hmm. see what his interpretation of this is. I have two conspiracy theories that I want I, – I would be curious to get your guys' feedback on. First is he's part Hawaiian. So – I think there's a world here where he's powered by the sun. I think there's a chance. (laughs) I'm not sure how to prove it other than let's look at the data. I mean, the data tells a story. I think there's a chance that when the sun is out, his powers grow just a little bit. I'm in. in. Yeah. 
So many things in that sentence I wasn't yeah. expecting. Okay, what's your second one? So my second my second theory is when you're going to the gym for a 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock tip, it's about 9 in the morning. So when you're going to the gym, whether you're on the road or in Miami, you're on your way to the gym at the same time as the morning commuters. And I think what that does is it provides a little perspective. Wait. I'm going to play a basketball game. Like this guy's in a suit. He's got to go sit and look at an Excel spreadsheet for nine hours. I love my life. And then you're walking into the gym with a clear head. You're grateful. And the basketball gods are going to repay you in those moments. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that if I had to pick a conspiracy theory, that would be it. But I don't want to rule out the fact that the vitamin D from the sun does something for him. I actually think there's a world where he could start going by vitamin Debo. I think that could be a, it could be Whoa, a nickname, like right? That. That's what I'm saying. So, so I don't know. What think do you guys think? Sponsorships. Do, that's what I'm saying. There's like so actually many vitamin brands out there. No free shout outs, but we have read ads before for a vitamin D lotion that you just mm. simply, you simply just put it on your forearms and it gets you all the vitamin D that you need. And let me tell you, as someone in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that's yeah. something that comes in handy because it's cloudy, you know, seven months out of the year. So what, I don't know, what do you guys think? Do one of those conspiracy theories stick out to you a little bit more? Which one do you think, or either of them are you willing to get behind? The gratitude one is amazing. I love that you okay. would even think of that. What, what, when were you born? 94. No, the month and day. <laughs> June 2nd, I'm Gemini. Okay. Ooh, 94. Just curious. Uh, no, what's that, your, uh, I want, what are your judgmental judgmental thoughts about that i was just curious like i don't know that's such an interesting way to think about it i i liked that a lot um i'm friends with many gemini men who usually people are weary of i don't agree but i do understand because there's a lot of duality there obviously that's the big stereotype but um you're either in a very talkative social mood or you're very reflective and would prefer to be by yourself and I think that that is a result of you being reflective and I appreciate that also the another thing about Gemini's that I love is that Gemini's know so much about such random um esoteric subjects so it's like you'll be very interested in something my Sean Yu one of my best friends is a Gemini and he like can just We'll talk about a musician that I found on YouTube who I thought, you know, he's got like 300 views and Sean knows like where he was born. So, <laughs> yeah, that's very uh, Gemini. But I appreciate that take a lot. And I agree. I think that he's probably very grateful that he's playing basketball. Well, thank you. I don't know if you're and just being kind. Yeah, I, I think both of those are true. I don't know if you're just being kind about um the Gemini read because you're on the podcast. Uh, but either way, I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I look, I also think I lived a life for four years where I was that guy commuting to work at 8 30, 9 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. And there weren't not, you know, it's not every day that you're feeling great about it. And for the record, that's every job. Playing basketball to Duncan is just a job. There are days where you got to force yourself to go to the gym, but you got to do it because it's the job and you got to get better. And obviously playing a sport for a living is a little bit different. It's probably easier or it's less frequent that you have those days, but it's still a job. But I think you can have that perspective when you are seeing everybody drinking their morning coffee, Mm -hmm. which by the way, coffee is significantly better iced. Harry, you said it's iced coffee Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Coffee should be should be always be drank iced, even if it's cold outside. That's my hot take. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch people drinking their coffee, you know, slumming their way to work. They're not always in a great mood about it, and you see those people and you say, "How lucky am I?" And then you go and you you score a lot of baskets. Let me throw a little bit more of a sinister and pessimistic um, angle at this. Perfect. So now I Harry love the Capricorn. I love like an appropriate time to say that. I love the the the. <laughs> <laughs> right, saving that for later. The I love the 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 nine a.m. More people, you know, we're thinking that's outside of the box. Lincoln, I agree, but more people commute to work. Now, the more people commute to work, that there's more traffic, right? But it takes a little bit longer to to get to work. What do you do when you're on a longer commute? Or what do you do on a normal commute? You listen to podcasts. 
Ooh. longer commute, more podcast. Ooh. Duncan, podcast host. Is it possible? I, you're saying Duncan is 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 powered by gratitude. Is it possible that he's powered by audio journalism? <laughs> like <laughs> he's, he's out here being like, "Fuck, dude, what ha- what's gonna happen with Adnan Saeed?" You know, like. <laughs> Wait, did you say this was your cynical take? This doesn't cynical yeah, yeah. at all. Well, it's just it's not gratitude. It's it's uh, though I do actually have an even more cynical take that that <laughs> I'm ready to to unleash after this. But what do we think about Duncan is powered by uh by podcasts? I, I do great it. work when I'm distracted by something else. I really, I genuinely do. Yeah, mm. so I could see that. Okay, here's I also my last. think it. Oh, go ahead. I also just think it speaks to the power of podcast, which mm-hmm. is good for all of us here. So yeah, I'm happy to push that narrative. Rising tide. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Okay, here's here's my my most cynical thing. Uh, we talked earlier about how it's got to be hard chasing Duncan off screens, right? He's he's planting, he's running, he's 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 catching off balance, sprinting off screens, bams hitting you, all that stuff. You know what probably would make it a little harder if you were hungover (laughs) and (laughs) day games happen during the day famously Mm. but they also (laughs) (laughs) but they also happen closer to last night Mm -hmm. also famously and so you know a lot of at least half probably of Duncan's day games are Miami day games and and they're typically Miami Sunday day games. That means they're games that are about fifteen hours before Miami Saturday nights. Right. Well, depends how your Saturday night goes. It could right. be a game could four be eight hours, hours before. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So I I have the last time I went to Miami, I left a strip club at <laughs> lit- I thought I was leaving it at three a.m. I was there till six in the morning. I walked outside and it was almost daylight i could right. see the sun you just it's like a casino you have no idea yeah Talk about a, hum, a humbling experience walking out of a club at 6 a.m and the sun is up yeah. yeah and then imagine being like okay fuck okay so duncan i know they run a bunch <laughs> of curls like that's that that's what happened i mean i don't know you know but uh, i so is it possible that that not to diminish Duncan's, you know, I was gonna say, yeah. photosynthesis or whatever. That that <laughs> maybe he he just plays a little bit better on a on a against a a hungover um, two or three guard. I really like that take. Um, it doesn't tell the whole story because I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the Hawks weren't at a club until 4 a.m. before Game One of the playoffs. That's a good point. But but I do think that Duncan has talked about this on the podcast. There is a there's without a doubt a massive home court advantage in Miami. And it's the fact that teams, the basketball season is played in the winter teams circle and star the road trips in Miami, Los Angeles, you know, the, the warm big cities and they, you know, not so uh, surprisingly probably dabble a little bit in the nightlife when they're there, especially if it's a Tuesday game in February. So yes, I think a day tip, on a Sunday in Miami, you definitely have a built-in advantage, but it's not going to tell the whole story, Harry. I'm not going to let you get away with that completely. No, no, I it's think also that, the podcast. I think the podcast. I think <laughs> I think I think all of these play a role. I think podcasting, inspiring you, watching commuters, feeling gratitude, and there's something weird going on with the sun, guys. There's some vitamin D thing going on. I think all of them are playing their role. And the cold showers. Let's not. Oh, right. And the cold showers. Thank you. And of course, of course, the cold showers. Um, Although that one diminishes Duncan's uh, role in all of this, it takes away all the autonomy of his individual play. I really like that theory. I think that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I do, too. I do, too. Um, okay, thank you guys. That I feel much better. I came into this call not really knowing how to explain it, and now I actually feel like we have a pretty accurate... Uh, understanding of what exactly is going on because you look at the numbers and it's just kind of glaring um i do love seems obvious that the early it's not just day games the earlier than the day right it it's it's that i mean that's worth interrogating as well like what's what's going on davis 
when you first brought this up, I, uh, my like dumb first initial thought, which I wasn't going to share because I was like, that's really stupid. But I was like, oh, his arms are tired. You know, like sometimes at the end of the day, you're just like, damn, I'm tired. Like I want to sit down. <laughs> his arms are not as tired. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> you know what? Jack- I actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo that thought. I think there might be some, there might be some truth in that. Even if it's incremental, you know, just carrying a water bottle around a little longer throughout the day. That's it might break down a little muscle tissue. I think there could be something there. So I, before we, before we got into this, I texted him just to ask him, uh, what his thoughts were. And he just got back to me and here's his, here's his explanation. He says, I hate waiting around for games. All my workouts are in the morning. So maybe my body is accustomed to working out at that time. It's just simple. Wake up, eat, go to the gym. No time for extra bullshit. I just really like, <laughs> <laughs> what extra bullshit <laughs> is he talking about? Yeah, like, dude, He's get off your eye horse. You, know? you like play basketball. into a fucking, like, Zoom meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, no, that makes sense. I really thought when you were first reading that off and you, I thought you were going to say his explanation was also that his arms just aren't tired. <laughs> but... I mean, in a way, that's what he's in a way. That's what he's saying <laughs> earlier in the day, less time for bullshit. That bullshit might be like shaking hands and, right. you know, carrying his luggage around on a road trip. Yeah. You just, yeah. I mean, I, Haley, I think you actually might be on to something. <laughs> it, it makes sense, though, because anyone who's going to take a nap before a game, every time I hear a player say that, and I've heard Duncan say that before, it's so to me that feels so irresponsible and reckless and i know that players have this down to a science i'm not calling any of them ears but to me like when i nap even if i set a timer there's no telling what's gonna happen there's Mm. absolutely no telling am i gonna wake up from the the alarm clock of course but did i have a scary dream did i have a dream that was unsettling i woke up mad at my brother the other day because i had a (laughs) dream i was like and then you know you you kind of get over that but not really are you exhausted are you like more wide awake? I'm almost never more wide awake, but I mean, it's not, you know, anyway, but that makes sense. If he's like, I don't like waiting around. That makes sense. Cause he's a guy who takes a nap just to kill some of the day. <laughs> I, I, cu- I couldn't agree more Haley, by the way, uh, when I wake up from a, from a nap, I am in a different dimension. Uh, <laughs> like my shit is bonkers <laughs> when I, when I uh, wake up. So yeah, respect. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've never been a napper. It's something I've tried to get into. I, I can't do it. Um, okay. The uh, the last thing I want to get your guys' uh, take on before we go is, Haley, the Celtics hug. For those of you that don't know, actually, can you paint the picture for us a little bit about what this moment was, where you saw it, what you were doing? Is this a core memory now that's going to be instilled in you forever? Um. No, so we were on Easter, and we were watching the Celtics game, Celtics-Nets game one, and um, there was, I wish I remembered exactly what it was after, but it was more like the audience shots stood out to me more. Um, There were three teenage-appearing people, two girls, a boy, and um, something big happened. I'm pretty sure it was a layup. I think it was a Marcus Smart layup, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, And afterwards, the girl all the way on the right, if you're looking at it from them looking at the court, does this, like, very fun, like, this motion. She, like, holds her hand to – and she does, like, a swish, which is so funny because I remember instantly thinking, like, it was a layup. But um, (laughs) – Next to them, there's, like, the girl and then a guy, and the guy goes in, hugs her, releases very quickly, and then afterwards he lets out this very, very, very cute, like, like a sigh of, you know, like, relief or, like, excitement or something. And so when I saw it, I was like, that's very cute because it, on first glance, appeared like this guy who had a crush on the girl next to him saw an opportunity for a hug, executed it flawlessly, did not hang on too long. Um, You know, she went in equally and then he pulled apart and it was all just like perfect timing. And to me, it it brought me back to, 
you know those teenage years were just like it was all just a fucking risk and you never knew like when you were going to be embarrassed or anyone was going to say that they didn't like you or did like you or whatever and it was just all this angst and it was very sweet so I tweeted that yes you tweeted that it went everywhere yeah I mean what a beautiful moment you know basketball there's a lot of beautiful things about basketball you know it can bring people together sports in general but how about opening the door for a hug with your crush. And we're we're making some we're jumping to some conclusions here. We're not 100% sure that that's what this was. They could be brother and sister. They could, <laughs> somebody said that to me and I was like, "Damn, they actually do look a lot like brother and sister." And so I wanted to submit that's it Boston, to the though. like siblings or couple Instagram. Have you guys mm, seen that where they do yes. like siblings or couple? I those are hilarious. Um either or, but I will say if for some reason they see this or hear this or whatever, and you are brother and sister, do not be embarrassed because that is also equally adorable. Oh, Just yeah. in such a different way because now it's all about sports. And he had that genuine, like, sigh of relief at a basket being scored. And, like, his instant reaction was to hug his sister as a teenager. That's fucking cute. So, 100%. Yeah, no, no need to be embarrassed regardless, I hope. I agree. For the sake of this conversation, I'm going to assume that they were crushes. Um and but I agree with you. It's beautiful either way. But for for a big Celtics basket to open the door for you to give your your hug or your crush a hug, it's just special. It's just special. And it got me thinking. You know, we're now down to the the final what sixteen teams in the playoffs. I, I'm I want your guys' help with this. I was wondering who are the most romantic teams left. And, and I, I'm going to keep the question that broad. I'll let you guys take it in kind of any direction you want. But whether it's the team that, you know, might lead to the most fan hugs or whether it's a team that just embodies something that's romantic, maybe even sexy, what do you guys think, if I were to ask you, the most romantic playoff teams this year? Harry, I think you should go first. Sounds good. Well, let me first say it is ironic that all of this happened in Boston because Boston is the least romantic city in America. Least sexiest um, city. Least, yeah, city. yeah, right. Um, sports team, city, you know, all of it, right? It's like brutal. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, no, you're good. <laughs> I took people of Boston. I, I took uh, shots at Maxi Kleba, so right, you can take right, so- right. shots. I lived at Boston. in Boston. I, I lived in uh, Central Square for a year. It was horrible. The the but I will say <laughs> my my um there was a very good nice little coffee shop near my house though. The there was a nice I'm mean, sorry, well the most romantic, this is a homer pick, but it is true, is the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> it, 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 uh, luckily I didn't need to shoehorn a kind of homer take here because it, it it's just well the second least romantic city in America is San Francisco. It's like also horrible, but from a romance kind of sexiness vibes perspective. But the Warriors are a incredibly romantic team. They they you got first of all you got like kind of high octane thrilling offense. Like that is the the, the seeing that death lineup is like the equivalent of somebody you have a crush on like responding to your Instagram story. It's like, it is like, Oh my, your heart is beating like a million miles a minute when you're, you're seeing pool step back three, you know what, all, all of that stuff. Then they, they've got this nice, you know, when you're like in the early stages of, of kind of falling in love, you're, you're, you feel like you're the underdog a little bit. Like you're like, you're like, it's a kind of a little bit of a will they, won't they, but you're also, you've got a little bit of a kind of quiet confidence. You're like, I'm the underdog, but I'm also going to pull this off. At least maybe that's like, maybe I'm <coughs> projecting, but, um, the, the, that's what the warriors are like. We're, we are the underdog in a certain way. You know, we're not the sons, whatever, who are frauds. But but we are um, also have this confidence of like, I think I think we're you know, we think we're one of the, the best team in the West or, you know, whatever the best team in the uh, uh, the league. even. So all of that is very romantic, very sexy um, and, you know, like thrilling. So that that's my pick. I, I really like that pick. I 
don't know if I'm going to let you get away with calling the Warriors underdogs. That's why. Uh, yeah, I think. No. I think any team with Steph, Clay, and Draymond immediately is We're not the an seed. underdog. Eh, eh. But I, I, do, I, I like this. I think if you think about the Warriors as a as a relationship, you know, an analogy for a relationship. They've gone through multiple iterations to keep things fresh. You know, it's like it's like Jordan Poole is like finding a new hobby to do with your partner, you know, <laughs> and it really spices things up and you remember all the magic that there is. So I think in that sense, the Warriors are also very romantic. <laughs> I would say like Jordan Poole is kind of like, uh, you know, adding a third. <laughs> Sort of dabbling in a little polyamory, you know. That's very, that's very inclusive of you, Harry. I love it. No, that's a good answer. I can't, I can't argue that. Except the underdog thing. That was a stretch. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Duncan and I talk a lot about Athletic Greens, but I want to talk a little bit more about it because I'm telling you, I take a scoop of this stuff every day with a glass of water. It's the first thing I do when I wake up before I put anything else in my body and I have never felt better. There's no better way to start the day. I'm absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. I'm not even sure what adaptogens are, but I know that they're doing good for me. It is, it's, it's fantastic. It tastes good. I also now have the Athletic Greens water bottle, which I'm using to shake it up, which is really just giving me that smooth taste. No clumps of nasty stuff in there like some of the other things you're mixing with water. I also don't need to take anything else. I was, I, I used to be taking Athletic Greens and Emergency, but then I realized I don't need to be doing both of this. Athletic Greens has everything I need. I cannot stress enough to you guys how awesome this stuff is. And guess what? Athletic Greens is giving you, because you listen to us, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. The travel packs are awesome. I'm taking them on the road with me. If I'm ever down in Miami, Duncan's getting mad because I'm stealing his Athletic Greens. So now I'm taking my travel packs with me. Easy to travel with, easy to pop in a water bottle. I'm serious. It's high, high quality stuff. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash longshot. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash longshot to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Uh, what do you think, Haley? Do you have any romantic teams that stick out to you? I do. I wanted Harry to go first, which I'll explain in a reason for in a minute for a reason. Um, these are both gonna. Well, this is another Homerish like comment. The Heat are a very sexy team. Um, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of aggression. David Beckham was at the game last Ooh, night. Like it's true. just, it's extremely sexy. Um, the way that they play, the effort. Um, but I don't think that that's romantic. They feel like the terms feel very separate to me. No, I think that's um, a fair take. Although sometimes they can fall into the same. It's like a square and a rectangle. Um, <laughs> mine is also the Warriors because I think that they play beautifully. It's creative basketball. They share a lot. Um, they follow through. They're exciting, though, reliable. Uh, they defend what's theirs quite well. It's a very honorable style of play. So that to me is modern romance. But because Harry I picked it, it I, <laughs> as I suspected he would, I tried to think on the fly. And I think if we're going in like rom-com terms where you watch a rom-com and you're like, this is super romantic. And then afterwards you think about it and you're like, that's probably not a sustainable relationship because of all that they've gone through. I'm going to say the Mavs because the Mavs are a very like against all odds. Like a lot of stuff is very often not working. Um, and there's a lot of holes and we just regularly like with the franchise since they've got Lucas see things that are like probably not going to pan out or are going to be the equivalent of that moment in a rom-com where a person had to fess up to something but did it too late. And there's the moment where they're like, I've got to tell you something. The other person's like, well, can it wait? And then they don't tell them in time. So then <laughs> later on they get in trouble for not telling them. That feels very Mavsian to me. But then there's always like somehow they always pull it off and it feels in the moment because you're swept up in it. 
extremely realistic that the other person would come around and they would only come around for someone like Luka Doncic. So, well, the way he plays. I don't really know anything about him as a person. Another another great answer. I like that answer a lot. I also think this one, Harry, fits the underdog mold. All right. They were not great to they were not great to start the season. Luca has missed the first two games. They still have found a way to split the series one one. Jalen Brunson has been awesome. I agree. Very romantic. I also your breakdown of why the Warriors were romantic was very beautiful. That was Thank that you. was boost boosting Harry's answer a little bit, but a great take there. And I love the Mavs take. Um, I'm glad you guys didn't say the team that I want to talk about real quick because to me, the most romantic team is the New Orleans Pelicans. And it's because similar to the way that Jordan Poole is picking up a new hobby or adding a third to a relationship, (laughs) if we're going to look at the Pelicans as a analogy for a relationship, talk about battling adversity. I mean, that has been a franchise that has just struggled in every sense they finally get their guy in Zion. He looks amazing, and then he's hurt, and he's not playing, and things look really bleak. Think of Zion as like the big vacation that you're planning in a relationship, but you just keep having to push it off. It keeps getting delayed. But you know what you do? You find other ways to keep things exciting. You go through little activities. Maybe it's a Herb Jones Maybe it's a a Trey Murphy, but you find little things to do that just you never even thought about. You never even imagined because all you were focused on was this big vacation. But now that you're pushing it off, you're finding these other little things to do together and you're realizing how beautiful the relationship is without the without the big vacation. You don't need the big trip. And now all of a sudden you beat the Phoenix Suns at home or on the road. And now all of a sudden you're split one one with the one seed. And you've just, you've done it together. You've done it organically and you've done it in a beautiful way. And what's more romantic than that? I actually really like that. And I think to me, the metaphor of vacation could also be the metaphor of your relationship isn't going to always take on the identity that you think it will at the beginning or what you think you were. And a lot of great relationship, um, uh, I don't even know what you call them. I'm thinking of Esther Perel, who's a psychologist, but she's also an author, says that you have to recreate your relationship with each other like many, many times because you become new people. And so you have to become new people and then find that merge together again. That feels very much like not having someone like Zion, that that was your expectation. And then you bring in like a CJ McCollum and things just, you know, change progressively as time goes on. I really like 100%. that. 100%. Thank you. Those are all good answers. Can we talk a little bit about least romantic teams? A hundred, one hundred percent. Yes. So we all. I was going to say the Celtics just by default because of the city. (laughs) I think the actual team, though. Yeah, I mean, it's still not romantic to me. Like, I, I just don't find like heavily defensive teams. I just don't think of them as like outwardly like wow, it's very romantic. The Utah Jazz are just supremely. Not even just not romantic, like a huge turnoff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that if I was going on a date, I'd like even want to go watch them. So that's, yeah, I just horrible vibes all around, like no cohesion, um, don't appear to really like each other. It's, I mean, we've all done this, like that cut friend couple that you, everyone hangs out with. And it's just like, there's always a weird tension and like, weird passive aggressive comments and you can tell it's a fight that's been going on for like three years i was going the exact same metaphor the the used yeah. jazz are like a friend group couple that has been dating for like four or five years that are like <laughs> they gotta just break up yeah <laughs> <laughs> they are are opposite side of the bed butt to butt you know <laughs> Headphones on, like, get out of here. Bought uh, a comfortable couch on purpose. Because <laughs> <laughs> one of them's always on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Davis? I, I mean, I think that's the obvious answer in the West. I, JJ actually went on ESPN the other day and referred to them as stale, so which I think is sort of getting to, to exactly what you guys are talking about. I think in the East, it's a slightly different direction. I'm going to go Brooklyn. Brooklyn feels like like a Tinder date. 
you know, like they're just trying to find fast love, you know, they're trying to get there too quickly. And it's just like, it feels fake. It feels forced. It's like, okay, this might be sexy for a night or two, but it, there's no way this lasts. That's beautiful. I, I agree. It is beautiful. Yeah. 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 That's my um, take. The, what do we feel about the Raptors? Because I was toying with them as a romantic team. I, I think, think they're, they're like in it for the long haul. People. Yeah. 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 I think they're romantic. I think they are similar to they're in the similar vein of like not what the Warriors are, but underdogs um, where they've just found a way to get it done in a unique way. They do it differently than anybody else, but they found success, which how romantic is that? You know, like you don't need to always go by the book. You do what works for you. They feel very much like the couple that just is not going to get married and doesn't need to get married. And that's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like also just doesn't post each other on Instagram, but like we all don't have any doubts about their commitment. I love that. They, they also give me very young love. Like, like the Mm -hmm. kids are going to be all right, you know, kind of thing. Like they're, 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 they're they're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's beautiful. This was fun guys. Yes. Yes. Let's the, the leave it to, spinsters to talk about love for 35 minutes on a basketball this is this this is exactly what i wanted i appreciate both of you we uh yeah we got to the bottom of duncan's daytime shooting i love talking about teams as romantic couples um look if if this is a slight turn from what you uh, expected from the long shot podcast deal with it you know (laughs) you if you want to wait till duncan's back we'll see you in july you know because the heat are going on a on a deep run this might be what it looks like for the next couple of weeks. Again, we're going to figure it out, figure it out week by week. But thank you both so much. Uh, this was awesome. I don't know how long we went. We talked about going for like 20, 30. It feels like we went more than that. But it, let me tell you, time flew. Mm. Time flew by. Also, thank you to Duncan's Fathead for joining us. Mm-hmm. It was very kind of him. Um, any closing thoughts from either of you? Subscribe to Spinsters. Uh, subscribe to Spinsters. <laughs> And so, Davis, if you want to text me the time you were born and the location that you were born, I will text you back your chart. Done. I'm doing it as soon as we get off this call. 